0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. turn to John chapter 1, and I'm going to actually have Gallio come up here before I even read this right now. So Gallio, if you'd come up now, and is the microphone here or is it gone again? Oh, there it is right there. Good. Um, Gallio is going to give you a short testimony concerning what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, concerning bringing people to Jesus, getting people to the Lord by getting them to the church so they could hear the words they need to hear and get saved and get healed. So I'm going to have him share a little bit about who brought him and why he came then. There's a couple things I want to tag on to that that Carlos sh- shared with me between services. So go ahead. I'm going to stay up here with you. Go ahead and share. Uh,
1: well, some of you... Is it on? Okay.
0: Yeah. I think the red light has to be on. Let's push it. Come here. Yeah. Hello. There you go.
1: That's my voice. Uh, so some of you guys already know my uh, story a little bit, the testimony, but basically, um, I was brought to the church by some people in the church. Um, Lloyd is here today. Mark is not. She's not feeling great, but... Uh, you know, I remember when I was in jail. God had me everything written out that I needed to do when I got out, right? And uh, He dealt with me everything. I had it all written on paper, and I had my Bible, all notes all throughout it. And then when I got out, and on that, of course, was to find a good Bible believing church. And the guy who led me to Jesus, um, great thing, honestly. He would always tell me, he'd be like, just make sure it's a church that speaks in tongues. He's a he's a Mexican guy, a Pentecostal guy, really good guy. And um, anyways, so I got out, and my Bible and all my notes sat on the back uh, thing of my car for months, you know, and the whole time, I never opened it, I never read it. And I, the whole time, I knew I needed to go to church, and I still believed with all my heart that I was called to the ministry. And I didn't know anything about the ministry or anything. I just knew, I just knew preach, you know. So I was like, I'm called to be a preacher. I told everybody. I remember I was high as a kite on every drug you can imagine, telling people, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to be a preacher one day. And they're like, yeah, you know, you're going to be Sure, man. But uh, one day I was talking to Mark and Lloyd's granddaughter about how I believed I was called to be a preacher one day. And she said, well, my grandparents go to this church. You should come check it out. And I was like, well, I need to go to a church. I need, you know, yeah, let's do that. And so she contacted Mark and Lloyd and right away, they're like, yes, we'll come. We'll get you this weekend. We'll get you Sunday. And uh, so they drove about an hour from Grand Junction to Battlement to come get us, went way out of their way. And they served in the church. So they had to you know, be there early at the church. So they, way early to come get us. And uh, they picked us up. They And they even, I remember this now, they even had to pick me up in Battlement and then go to rifle to pick her up. So it was it was way out of their way to bring us to church. And I remember Mark got there and first thing, first time I see her, just this big old smile. She's like, you're gonna love this, you know? And I'm like, wow, this lady's a little intense. You know, I didn't know, you know, I wasn't expecting that, you know? And uh, it reminds me of a scripture you talked about and they brought healed. It talks about um, Jesus seeing the faith of them when they brought. And I was like, I saw the faith in Marca's eyes that she truly believed. She wasn't just saying, you're going to love this. She truly believed, like, this, you're going to love this. And uh, so I got there, and of course, it changed my life. And there's a night and day difference, and, and, I mean, nothing's ever been the same, and it never will be. So, praise God.
0: Oh. Cool. That's so good. And, you know, another thing about that is, it's so interesting because Martha and Lloyd brought Gallio. and you know Gallio's he's been an employee at the church here got in the ministry you know serving God full time and um, and who Lou where are you Lou did you bring Marka and Lloyd so Lou brought Marka and Lloyd and Mark and Lloyd <laughs> brought Gallio. and then Joan Daniel brought Lou Prescott. oh come on do you see what's going on here We're taking over the world, man. (laughs) That's the way it works. I mean, isn't that powerful? So we've been studying for weeks now in a series entitled They Brought, He Healed. They brought unto Jesus many that were possessed with devils. He cast out spirits and set them all free. They brought unto Him a blind man. He healed the blind man. They brought unto Him a paralyzed man. Jesus healed the paralyzed man. They brought. He healed. They brought. He healed. What would have Jesus done without the they brought? He would not have done nearly what He did. We would not have near the recorded instances of healings and miracles. If the people didn't bring Him, He couldn't have healed them. Well, we've been finding out through the New Testament, you'll see that phrase all through, even in the book of Acts, after Jesus left the earth physically. It said they brought people from every quarter, every city roundabout, to the church. And they were healed, every one. They are bringing people to the church like they brought people to Jesus, and they're getting the same results healed everyone. Even Peter's shadow was getting people healed. Those vexed with unclean spirits were set free. Everybody was getting set free, just like when Jesus was physically here in the church age. And what's so interesting about this is that we we say, where's Jesus today? Well, geographically, physically, you know, his flesh and bone body, right hand of the Father. But he's also here by his Holy Spirit in his church. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but Jesus' physical presence is not what healed sick people in his day. It was the anointing of the Holy Spirit on him that healed sick people in his day. That same anointing's in the church right now. Same Holy Spirit's in the church right now. And so where's Jesus today? Where do we bring people today? Well, the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 it says ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. We are the body of Christ. So when we bring people to a church that believes they're the body of Christ, why shouldn't they get the same healing and deliverance that the early church got or that Jesus got when He was physically on there? We're His body. We're His body. The hands are on the body, right? Jesus laid hands on every one of them and they were healed, it says. Well, we're the body of Christ. So when we bring people by faith Believing that the Jesus in our church is going to minister to them, we're going to see great things. And I, and I don't know if you realize this, but people are going to get totally set free when they come to Faith High Church, if they want to be free. You can't make somebody receive something they don't want. But people are going to get totally set free, not just because pastor prayed and is preaching a good sermon. I mean, how do you think Jesus' ministry to the sick would have been if his foot was constantly out of joint? He'd be a little limited, wouldn't he? On laying hands on all those people that day or going to the places he needs to go. What if his arm was at a joint? In his physical body? Well, you see the revelation? We've all got to be doing our part in our church for the full power of Jesus to help the people that are coming to our church. Because even though the foot may not look like a part of the healing ministry, it helps the healing ministry get where it needs to be. Are you following? And if only pastor and a few other people are ready to go on a Sunday morning, then we're not going to see the full power of the body of Christ on a Sunday morning. And so I, I just I am so thankful for every part in this church that's serving. Everybody that's serving from housekeeping to groundskeeping to maintenance to uh, cameras to uh, ushers, greeters, children's workers, praise team. I'm so because everybody doing their part makes it so I can do my part without having to do somebody else's part. And anytime you see people getting saved in this altar or healed through the laying out of hands, and you see people, hear testimonies that Carla shares, anytime, you need to go, praise God, I'm a part of that. Because I did a part that Pastor would have had to do if I didn't do it, and he wouldn't have been as anointed on Sunday morning to preach if he has to do all these other things. We're all getting the same rewards. for this Because we're all helping The Lord do what He needs to do in His church. So turn to John chapter 1. Let's look at scriptures here. Look at John chapter 1. And I want you to keep in mind, they brought, He healed. Without they brought, there would have been very few He healed. Say this, Jesus needs us. What does He need us doing? What He right now can't do. What can't the Lord do right now that we can do? <laughs> it's a good question, isn't it? Think about it. What can't the Lord do right now that only we can do? Reach out to neighbors, friends, coworkers. Bring them to the Lord. Tell them about Jesus. Ask them how you doing. Share the hope that's in you with them. In John chapter 1, verse 40. John 1, 40. One of the two which heard Jesus, excuse me, heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Let me read that again. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him, that was John, I'm sorry, not Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Okay, so to these people he's talking about in the next couple of verses. Next verse. The first found his own brother. Andrew found his brother Simon and said unto him, we have found the Messiah. We found the Savior, which being interpreted the Christ or the, the powerful one, the empowered one, the Christ. Next verse. And he brought him to Jesus. See those words? I wonder what would have happened if Andrew hadn't brought Peter to Jesus. Wouldn't that be weird, not having the apostle Peter in the scriptures? You know, the one whose shadow got people healed after the day of Pentecost? You know, one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb forever? This is interesting. Now now listen closely, church. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, and listen to what it said, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, You're Simon, the son of Jonah. You'll be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Now, very interesting to me that Andrew brought Peter, his brother, to Jesus before Jesus did one healing or one miracle. Interesting. See, I asked myself the question. Did Jesus heal people and then they brought or was it they brought and he healed? Somebody know the answer to that question. Both. It was both. It was both. The momentum started going after people started getting healed, and now people started bringing because they saw the healings. But here, it says the next next chapter, Jesus hadn't even done one miracle yet, hadn't even healed one person yet. Why would somebody bring somebody to Jesus? And Jesus hasn't done one mighty work yet. Andrew believed Jesus was empowered. Even though he hadn't seen any power yet. He hadn't seen any miracles yet. He believed he was. Oh, here's the revelation. Are you ready? And if you read the next couple verses, Philip brought Nathanael to Jesus before Jesus performed one miracle or healed one sick person. Why did they do that? Why did they bring their closest friends, or relatives, why did they do that? Because they believed Jesus was the Savior. They hadn't seen anything to prove it. And they believed He was empowered to help people on the highest level. And you know what's so interesting about that? They believed He was anointed that day and not too many days after that they saw he was anointed. It's not saw then believe. It's believe and then we saw. Is that great English grammar or what? No, if you want to see you got to believe. It's not believe and it's not see and believe. It's believe and see. They believed he was anointed and guess what? Not too long after, they saw the power of God in full manifestation, but it started with them believing before they saw. Pastor, I'm just not seeing the power in the church yet, so I want to bring people. They didn't either. But their faith in that Jesus was who He said He was, no miracles, no healings performed, their faith preceded them seeing And so I want to say as a church, we're not going to see a lot until we act like we are who God says we are. Who are we, church? Who are we? Come on, somebody tell me, who are we? We are the body of Christ. We need to have as much faith in us that Jesus has in us. The reason, I mean, just think of the term, the body of Christ. That's everybody doing their part. Right? I mean, I've... I, I guess if you were in my position, you would know the value of everybody doing their part because there's many times I had to do other people's parts. It pulled on my ability to help you on Sunday mornings or when you needed me for counseling because I had to do everybody else's part. I was drained. I couldn't give you my best. Jesus, His body in the earth is made up of individual believers. And we said this in the earlier service, and I want you to kind of think about this and hear this with the right heart, but when do we retire from our part in the body? When, when do we retire from our part in the church? Hmm? Well, hopefully never, because let, let me ask it this way. When do you want your liver to stop working? Preferably when you're done with this earth, right? Not two years before. When do you want your hand to go limp and paralyzed? When? When do you not need your hand anymore? When does the church not need you anymore? When does, when does the body of Christ not need your part anymore? After you stop getting a paycheck? No, body still needs you. And believe me, the Lord will take care of you. Huh? He's got a zillion and one ways to take care of us if we're doing our part in the body like we should be. So really, when you hear they brought, he healed, we're in both of them. We're bringing because we believe in the church and what Jesus has established. We believe in him. We believe he's here. Right? We believe he's here. And we also believe we together have the power to help anybody who comes to the church. I don't care if they're demon-possessed, if they got AIDS or cancer. There's power in the church, and we need to believe it like Jesus believes it. He said to the church, he said, He that believes on me, the works I do show you guys do also, and greater works than these show you do, because I go to my Father. Jesus said himself, the gates of hell, you know, the bondages in people's lives that they can't get free from, they shall not prevail against the church. I was reading that one time in, in Matthew, you know, where Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I mean, that's a good word. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. When we bring people to this church who are bound and chained up with addictions and sicknesses and fears and oppressions and disease, those chains are supposed to fall off. And they will if we believe we're who, God, who Jesus says we are. And we minister accordingly. This is exciting. Do you realize we're living in a time right now this is the greatest opportunity to get people saved, healed, and delivered right now. You know, I was reading that one day and the Lord said, did you notice I didn't say the gates of hell shall not prevail against the Christian? He didn't say the gates of hell shall not prevail against the Christian. There are gates of hell prevailing against Christians everywhere. And one of the reasons is because they're not hooked up with the church like they're supposed to be. I know you can emphasize the local church too much, but I tell you today, the local church has been stomped on, trampled, and put down, and the Lord doesn't like it. He died for the church. He's the Savior of the body. He gave pastors so his people could be shepherded in localities and local places all their life until he comes back. It's precious. He gave his life for his church. He's coming back for a glorious church. He loves the church. We need to love the church as much Jesus loves the church. David got a revelation of this hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He loved it. You know, Jesus, the Bible says in the book of Luke, he went to the synagogue every Sabbath day as was his custom. Interesting. Not a custom of the day. His personal custom. Isn't that awesome? And see, we're the church. We're, we bring people in faith, believing that the love of God coming out of every one of us is going to melt anything wrong in their life. And then when pastor, whoever lays hands on people and prays by the direction of the Lord, we're all believing God that these people are getting free. They can't not get free in this church. We need to have faith that we're the body of Christ. And so I was thinking, well, what? When, when do we when do we want our legs to retire and not work anymore? <laughs> not till we are completely done, right? You know, um, there's a scripture in Psalm 92. You want to see something really interesting? Turn to Psalm 92, and if you have this, I don't know if you have the God's Word translation yet. Back there, the GW. Translation, but if you do, you could put that up there. Psalm 92, it's like the last couple of verses in Psalm 92. Psalm 92, I, it's my personal heart and belief that when people come to Faith Heights Church, they need to be better by the time the service is over. Now, that doesn't say that, you know, you, there won't be powers trying to get you out. Feelings of oppression trying to tell you this is not where you're supposed to be. You've got to go deeper than feelings if you want to really know where you're supposed to be. I, I remember being in a meeting one time. I felt so oppressed. And as the meeting went on, I felt more and more oppressed. And I realized, wait a second, this can't be right because I know I'm supposed to be here. So I realized it was the enemy trying to push me away from the place I was supposed to be. You don't judge where you're supposed to be by some feeling. you got to watch out about these feelings trying to pull you out of the will of God. And so in in God's Word's translation, I don't know if you have that one, but Psalm 92, verse 13 and 14. Psalm 92, verse 13 and verse 14. King James says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Notice, planted. Next verse, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age, (laughs) and they shall be fat. Everybody say, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> they shall be fat and flourishing. How does this happen? Not through another prayer. We believe in prayer, but you can't get everything you need through prayer, especially ongoing victory. It says you've got to be planted somewhere. You've got to be planted somewhere. Everybody say, I. I like to be planted. Why? So you can flourish out there. Planted in so you can flourish out there. Right? Planted in so you can flourish out there. If people just realized how beneficial church was to their life outside the church, they'd be more interested in being a part of the church. Jesus said what happens in the church has a lot to do with whether you flourish or don't outside the church. They'd be planted in the house of the Lord and flourish out there in the courts of your God. And you'll bring forth fruit in old age. That means you're going to live a long time and you're going to be fruitful. Anybody interested in living a good, long, happy, fruitful life? Does it have anything to do with being planted in the house of the Lord? It does. And so I have to wrap some things up here. You know, we, we have these two services now. But um, turn with me to Philippians chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter 1. Let me get my notes up here. Philippians 1. And before we leave, I want to just share a couple more things, tie this together. They brought, He healed. You're in the They Brought ministry, I'm in the They Brought ministry, and we're also in the He Healed ministry. As we all listen to the Lord and do our part in the church, the church is going to be strong. Um, I, want to, I want to just say this too, since you know, I'm not oblivious to the times that we live in. I don't like to just speak on what's happening in the earth. I like to be led by the Spirit. I don't let events or things happening push me into a sermon or into some response the Holy Spirit didn't say respond. You know, it's easy, it's easy just to yield to what's going on around you and preach all your sermons according to what the devil's doing. I'm not led to preach according to what the devil's doing. I'm going to preach what the Lord wants us to preach. But there is something I'd like to say about what's going on, and I prayed about this, I've thought about it, I've, I've pondered it for a long time, uh, for, ever since a lot of this stuff started happening in the world with coronavirus and all that, but in the riots now. It's very interesting, a uh, little side journey here, how Jesus fought back when things tried to get him and came against him and tried to pull him, you know, into all kinds of crazy responses. Jesus called John the Baptist the greatest preacher that ever lived. They're actually cousins. If you go back to Elizabeth, uh, you know, and Mary, and when they were both great with child and angels visit him and all that. So, here John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus, and Jesus calls him the greatest preacher ever. And uh, one day, you know, John preaches something real strong. Herod didn't like it. You know, basically John said, it's not lawful you to have your brother's wife. And Herod didn't like that and took John and put him in prison. And one day he has this party where these women danced before Herod and Herod was so amazed and he said to Herodias' daughter whatever you want I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom and this slinky girl goes I want John the Baptist's head on a charger right now because she asked her mother and her mother said tell him you want John the Baptist's head right now murder him and since the king swore it before all the people he couldn't go back isn't it interesting how wicked people even keep their word better than some church people? No, that was in a wrong way, he did, but I mean it's interesting how how mindful they were of covenant, even wicked people kept their word. Yeah. It's like I think we need a lesson from that, but anyway, so he so so Herod was sad, but he had the executioners cut the head of John the Baptist off, put his head on how demonic, how just how how um dark yeah. so they bring his head on a charger, give it to the damsel, and she's oh. well, they took the body of John they buried it and they came and told Jesus I want you to notice Jesus had so many followers at this time he could have totally rioted and stormed that castle and killed Herod and everybody in it they might have lost a few lives in the process Jesus had the greatest following of anybody they could have got swords they could have got clubs they could have got rocks they could have got torches they could have stormed that castle And destroyed Herod for beheading John, Jesus' cousin, the one that he loved. You know what the Bible says? Quote, Matthew 14, you can read it sometime. The Bible says Jesus heard the news that they just beheaded his cousin in some drunken orgy. And Jesus withdraws himself into a desert place alone and prayed and it said people came to him by the multitudes and he had compassion on them and healed them. If you want to fight back, if you want to hit the devil right between the eyes, don't do what he's prompting you to do. Get souls saved. Bring people to church. Pray for the sick. Lay hands on your coworkers that are not feeling well. Believe God for healing to show up. This is something that the devil hopes you never do. He wants you to violate love so his next attack catches your faith off guard. He wants you spewing out hate. He wants you spewing out this and that. He wants you coming against people, flesh, and blood. When we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. The devil wants you to punch your neighbor. The devil wants you to fight back at flesh and blood. One of the greatest things you could do, follow Jesus. He could have went to Herod. He could have stormed the castle. He could have killed them all. He had enough following to do it. But instead, he decided to keep his mind on what he was there for. I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here to heal the sick. I'm here to cast out devils. I'm here to raise the dead. I'm here to die on a cross. I'm here to rise from the dead. He kept it. Do you see the enemy trying to push Jesus into some violations of love? If the devil can get us violating love, our faith will not be ready for his next attack. How many know there's other attacks coming? Yeah. Well, this is just the beginning of sorrows, That's right. Jesus said. Now, for the church, we can live free and protected from it all. But if your faith is withered because of violations of love, faith can't work if, if love's not there. Faith works by love. And I, I said all that to say this that. This is another reason we need to be very interested in bringing people to church because that's exactly what we're called to do in the dark times of our earth. Isaiah chapter 60 says when it gets really dark and gross darkness covers the people that's the time God said I'm gonna rise upon the church my glory is gonna be seen upon you Gentiles are gonna to come to the brightness of your rising the sons and daughters are gonna come from afar you're gonna to move together and friend whether you realize or not what I'm telling you right now will help you personally more than any drug any medicine take it if you got to but I'm telling this is what'll get you out of depression this will get you out of financial lack this is what'll get get you out of sickness. What I'm talking about right now, because the Bible talks about if we're involved in what He wants us involved with, it's easy to receive things that you need from Him. And He's more likely to turn up the power in those areas because He knows you're on the right road. I mean, why wouldn't God want to prosper you if you're doing everything you know He wants you to do? And I can't think of anything closer to His heart than bringing people to Him before it's too late. Yeah, you're going to have to overcome fear. Yeah, you need to be led by the Spirit. So Philippians 2, we'll close with this. Philippians chapter 2. I, you know, I have some testimonies in my life that I can share with you. Things that I've done that have brought us to the place that we're at. Carl and I got us through the wire, got us through the water, the fire, got us through all these problems and And so I'm just going to leave this with you in closing. You're not, none of you is going to have time for what I'm telling you today. You don't have time for this. I personally don't have time for this. I don't have time to bring people to Jesus. You don't have time to bring people to church. You don't. You have to make room for it. And ask yourself, what in my life is not as important as bringing some people to Jesus before it's too late. And you're going to have to delete some things. You don't want to cram they brought into your already overbooked schedule. You'll think serving God is stressful, and it's not. It's supposed to be fun, and like you just ate a good meal. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. My satisfaction is to do... Well, if you try to cram the things of God in your already overbooked schedule, you'll think serving God is unbearable. And it's not. It's just you've got a ton of other things going on that you really don't need to have going on. We taught a while back on making room for the things of God because they will not fit in your already overbooked schedule. You have to look at your lifestyle and declare something has to radically change or I will not be able to do the fullness of what the Lord wants me to do. You're going to have to look at your life and say, you know what, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. How many of these things has the Lord authorized me to do or how many I just want to do? Because if you will delete unauthorized involvements, you'll have plenty of time to bring people to the Lord. Pray. Seek God. Hear good sermons. Serve in the church. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead and smile. It helps it go down a little better. I mean, serving the Lord is only stressful if you're trying to cram it in, you're already over schedule. Look at your life. What's most important? This great gulf is real, you guys. We're not going to be able to get to them, and they're not going to be able to get to us one day. But right now, it's not that way. Your neighbors are only 50 to 75 yards away. You can reach them right now. Oh, glory to God. Philippians chapter, did I say one? Philippians 1, which would you rather go, one or two? Let's go to Two. Just go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. We'll close with this. And then I'll give you some instruction before we leave, something we want to give you. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, said, I trust in the Lord, all you at Philippi, Church of Philippians. I trust in the Lord, Jesus, to send Timothy shortly unto you. Paul said, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. So stop right there. So he's talking to the church at Philippi, the local church at Philippi. This is from the book of Philippians he's talking about. He said, I got Timothy. I'm sending him to you, to the church. Next verse. For I have no man like-minded like Timothy who will naturally care for your state. And before we read the next verse, think about this. This was rare to find somebody who wanted to do this. Not just, I better do this for Paul. He naturally cared for the state of the church at Philippi. Timothy naturally, it was a natural thing. It wasn't going against the grain. It wasn't, well, if I have time. Or, you know, I think, I still think sometimes if we're going to be the he healed part of they brought he healed, we have, we have got to get to the point where church is not an add-on. Your part in the body of Christ is not if you have time. The church is a huge deal. Being where you're supposed to be in the church, doing what you're supposed to be doing, it produces joy and peace like nothing else in this world could produce. Knowing that you're doing what you're born again to do, it's just amazing. Next verse. Very startling verse here. Paul said, Now, Timothy's doing this, you know, powerfully and helping, but everybody else, all men seek their own. Not the things, say things that be Jesus Christ. How do we know we're really putting God first? How do we know we really are committed to the things of God? To God, how do we know we're really committed? What are we doing with His things? We did a whole teaching. What are the things of God? What are the things of God? Jesus told Peter, Peter, you're all mindful of the things of men. You're not even mindful of the things of God. Remember that when he had that conversation with them? And so church is one of the things that the Lord established. And it's it's interesting because this scripture basically is saying everybody has to deal with selfishness. All men seek their own. Everybody has to deal with selfishness. All men seek their own but they're not seeking the things. See, he's geographically in heaven. Where's our commitment and love for the Lord seen now when he's physically gone? Toward his things, his people, his heart. And so in closing, like I said 20 minutes ago, (laughs) let me tell you what helped me get out of the deepest depression you can imagine. Way beyond just sadness. I'm talking demonic opposition against my mind 30-some years ago. Oppression, fear, paranoia. Dark, dark, dark. I mean, I had to personally rise up against the devil myself and say, get out of here. Get your hands off my mind. Get your hands off my life. Because he was trying to kill me quick. It was awful. And when I got this revelation... I knew, I knew, you know what? Church, the things of God cannot be just an add-on in my life. I need something radically to completely change in my heart. My whole perception of life needs to be different. Is it about me, my will, doing what I want and kind of fitting God in when I can? Or is it God and I fit other things in if I have room for them? And as Carl and I, and this happened before I was married, we've been married now 34, 5 years, I don't know, so. 35 years, 36 years, coming up in August. Um, But even before I got married, but even before I got married, here's, here's probably the number one thing that got me out of the darkness, where I'm at today, we have kids that actually want to serve God. We have grandkids that actually want to serve God. Don't have to tell them to go to church anymore. And we are nobody, we're no more special than you are. We just found out a few certain things early in our life. We, uh, the Lord's prospered us. He's kept us healthy. He's protected us. We've got amazing kids. And we I, I have no more depression. I don't have any more sad days. Ever. Lord, so ever. Been decades. Never have sad days. Tempted? Yeah. But I know how to ward off immediately. Never, and the number one reason I'm going to leave this. Is the number one reason we have this victory in our life, our marriage has gotten through things you're not supposed to get through. I mean, you're not. You think you, you think we're crazy for being together? If you had everything that's happened in our marriage. Primarily me. You, you'd be amazed that we're still together, and I, I, we haven't taken one bit of medication for it. You know why? We do it if we didn't need needed to, but we didn't need to. We knew where to run. We knew where to turn. And I'm going to tell you the number one reason why. We decided a long time ago to be so wrapped up, tied up, and tangled all up in the church. Most people say Jesus, but that's too fluffy. The church, his things. I didn't start out as a pastor, I started out as an on fire Christian in the church doing whatever I could. Lo and behold, I was asked one day, would you like to be a pastor of a church? And I prayed about it and sought the Lord. and He said, yes. So I'm saying all that to say this, guys. The church is the world's only hope right now. The the only hope for this world right now is a spirit-filled church. And we're one of them. And there's openings in the ranks. Let's bring people in faith. Amen? Thank you for listening to today's podcast.